for those of you who weren't here right at the beginning, there was just a little bit of confusion over what meeting this was uh, in the early announcements. And you might have been a little bit confused, but believe me, as a person with a harvest talk prepared in front of me, I was most shocked and I was massively relieved to find that this was indeed the harvest service. So we're going to stick with that, if that's okay with you. And uh, we are going to look at that subject. I was walking home uh, the other day, having dropped my children off at school, and uh, there, lying in a heap uh, on the pavement, was a £10 note. Now, this sort of thing never happens to me, so I was overjoyed. Something like two years before, I'd lost a £10 note on that same stretch of pavement on the way to the chippy. So I kind of saw this as equal, all square, you know? Now, it had been raining, so this note was particularly soggy. Uh, So I gently, casually scooped it up without looking like I was pausing. And I, uh, I put it in my pocket. I took it home, and I put it on my mantelpiece to dry out during the day. The next day, my wife Esther asked me if I had any money and she needed to pay someone back. So I proudly ran to the mantelpiece behind the picture frames and dug out my £10 note. My £10 note. It belonged to me. Later on that day, uh, she asked me if I'd seen it because she couldn't find it. And I was deeply distressed at this point because we were at risk of having lost my 10 pounds. I was very specific and commented that we needed to look particularly hard because it was worth 10 pounds. That bit of the conversation didn't go quite as well as you can imagine. But we didn't find it. And I was really sad. I was a bit annoyed. I was a bit frustrated. I suppose perspective would tell you that 24 hours before, I had not owned it. And I'd done nothing to deserve it. But it was mine. It was all mine. The good news is that we found it a couple of days later, and we're still talking. (laughs) But how we view our stuff makes a huge difference, doesn't it? what our attitude is, what our emotional response to stuff makes a huge difference. Now, I really love the celebration of harvest, and I love the way it helps us to pause and to consider and to be grateful and to look around us and to consider the needs of other people. I do like Christmas. Christmas is pretty cool. But I think we could all agree that it's sort of slightly taken on a bit more of a commercial angle. Do you agree with that? If you're not convinced of that, they are already selling advent calendars in September. Rather than being focused on the giving and the sharing, it's sort of become a bit more about getting. Whereas Harvest has carried on as a celebration, firm in the knowledge that this is a time to pause and reflect and to be grateful. Now, the Bible is an old book. 
between 2,000 and 3,000 years old, depending on which bit you're reading. So it was written at a time where this sense of agriculture and farming subsistence was much more close to everyone's daily life and much more an issue of life and death than perhaps it is in Shrewsbury in 2016 in the UK. Right the way through the Bible, we see uh, this sense of joy and celebration at a successful harvest. They didn't have a, a few tins in the cupboard to fall back on if there was a problem with the harvest that year. Through the Old Testament, they follow the story of the Jewish nation and their journey towards finding a land of their own. And the promise was, when you find a land of your own, that's the place that you will be able to plant crops and provide. And so the bit of the Bible that I want to start with today and to have a think about is one of their worship songs from that time that considers the land that they have, the food that they have. And they give thanks. And as I just read these verses, I'd love you to just consider people who are so reliant on the land to produce their food, having this sense of awe, this sense of wonder, this sense of thankfulness towards God. So it's Psalm 85, and it's from verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. In the midst of this worship, in the midst of this giving God glory, talking about him being the God of the nation and the God of the nations, the role of the harvest, their provision is right there, central in who they believe God to be and their response of worship to him. Now, they did have... um, like fairly decent agriculture in those days. Uh, They understood crops. They understood elements of productivity. But ultimately, if you are a sort of small-scale, non-mechanized farmer who's relying on that food to feed you and your family, then when the harvest comes in, what a celebration. And I guess when you're close to it day by day and you're, you're seeing actually what happens in the fields and with the crops you probably have a greater understanding of just how much of it is out of your hands. Whether it rains or not in a climate like that, if it's sunny or not, if there's disease or if there's a threat to the crops, some really important issues that you're relying on that you have absolutely no control over. You prepare the ground, you, you plant the seed, but then there's not that much that you can actually do about the rest. Even the seed has within it already everything that it needs to germinate and to grow. Now these days we would know that the DNA code in a seed is already written, the information is there inside it for the multiplication. That is incredible. In those days they just knew that if you planted it and kept it right, then it would grow. 
So putting ourselves in their thinking for a moment, they started off with some seed, they put it to good use, and now they have fruitfulness, they have harvest, they have provision for another year, and they are very, very mindful to be grateful. But if we fast forward two and a half thousand, three thousand years, we move from east to west in geography, and we're now here in the United Kingdom today celebrating harvest. What does that actually mean for us when sort of so many of us are so much further removed from agriculture? Not that many of us grow a lot of our own food. Now, before people come at me uh, waving their pitchforks, I know that we have uh, some people in our church who have amazing allotments and stuff like that. I know we have some fantastic farmers in this church. But over the whole cycle of what us in this room are going to eat in the next 365 days, things have changed. So much food is imported. Seasonal variations have almost disappeared because you can pretty well get anything at any time from the supermarket. Processed food is massively common. We eat stuff which has been so changed that, frankly, we don't always know what it looked like when it grew in the ground or when it was part of an animal. My, uh, my daughter, who's five, is still struggling to forgive me for the moment she realized that a chicken nugget does actually contain chicken. I said, don't worry about it. I don't think they contain that much, to be honest. But, uh, and in this country, we have plenty. If something fails, then we buy it from somewhere else or we eat something different. There's just so much choice. There's so much food and and actually there's so much waste. And in that kind of big muddle, our provision, the food that we eat, is still the provision of God to us. Thinking back to that psalm, if we could just have the words up again. Some would say that we've moved on a little bit since this act of worship. Now we've got mechanization and we've got science and it's all so different. We understand so much more. These days, we don't leave so much to chance. And for those of us who aren't working in agriculture, you know, people work hard and they earn their money and they go out and spend it and enjoy it. We're no longer dependent on the weather to help us eat. We have what we need. And then the media and the advertisers get involved again and and they actually say, well, you know what? To be truly happy, you need to have more than what you currently have. You you just need this product and then you'll be happy. Don't miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime experience. This new thing will change your life. If you're single, you need a partner. If you're married, you need an affair. If you're old, you need to look younger. If you're young, you need to act older. And for everything else, there's MasterCard. Somehow, somehow we've managed to become so unsatisfied, maybe perhaps even so unhappy with so much, relatively. As a society, we've got grumpy about a misplaced £10 note that was never really ours. 
And it's almost like there's movements in our society that just want to strip back some of these layers and start again. Start again without always desiring more and more. Not necessarily wanting less, but actually being content with what we have. Which is sort of where we started back here. In those ancient times where people had what they needed, and because they had what they needed, they were grateful. And we can really free ourselves up when we realize that everything is a gift. Our food, our place to live, our education, our ability to earn. Many of us here, the fact that we were even born into such a wealthy nation, if you were born into the United Kingdom, even the very breath that keeps us alive day by day. The Bible says it all comes from God. It's all a gift from him. It's all his. I don't know about you, but that just leaves me awestruck. Our achievement and our technology and our ability to produce in this country and others isn't something that means we don't need any. We don't need God anymore. It's something we can thank God for. Humanity has shown again and again brilliant discovery, brilliant improvement. That gives us more reasons to be grateful, not less. Now, I've got a little three-year-old boy, and uh, when he goes to bed, uh, we ask him what he wants to thank God for. Often, it will be various family members. Relatively often, Uncle Keith gets a mention. And then almost always, at the end... He'll say tractors. Not only tractors, he's very specific. And he will thank God very often for green John Deere tractors. And that's quite interesting because the technology has moved on. But actually, we can still be grateful for God's provision through green John Deere tractors and other makes, which I'm sure are equally good. We show, we show no preference as a church. <laughs> when we look at where we are and what we have, we start to see that we have so much more than others. Even those of us with really limited finances here in the UK, on the comparison of the great sweep of humanity, we're still doing quite well. When we look at healthcare, when we look at government, education, housing, we're still doing all right. There's still much to be grateful for. When Paul wrote to his friend Timothy in the New Testament, he said this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, from verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Interesting, because these verses bring to life the point that I just made. We benefit so greatly if we allow ourselves to be content. We worry less and we enjoy more when we're grateful. We don't live for the things that haven't happened yet. We enjoy the here and the now. He talks of food and clothing, the essentials of life. 
if we can relearn what it means to be content with the essentials, then everything else that we do have is a bonus that we can enjoy. How fabulous is that? I don't think many people argue that, there, that we do need to be grateful, that it's important to say thank you. In every culture across the world, whether it's a religious culture, whichever religion, or, or a, an atheist culture, right the way across the world, children are taught to say thank you. And that's not even just a cultural thing, because it's almost like there's something within us that knows that it's right to say thank you. I guess what I'm talking about today is that when we understand God's place in the whole thing, not only do we know it's right to say thank you, we actually find the one who we are to be grateful to. These verses also show, though, that there's a flip side to being content, which is trying to get rich. And it comes with a warning that this can cause harm and destruction. And this is something that we can see around us every day. Don't get me wrong, though. Some people work hard. They develop an idea, build a business, lead an organization, whatever it is, and end up being rich without falling into any of this. So there's nothing wrong with being rich in the slightest. The problem here seems to be falling into the trap of chasing riches, chasing the money, and being willing to do harm to both people and the environment in order to get there. You know, it's widely regarded that this world has the, the resources and the outputs to produce food for something like 10 billion people. And there are 7 billion people living on the planet. But people want to get rich, and so they don't share. And people want to stay rich, and so they don't share. And people misuse and abuse people who can't stand up for themselves. And people don't offer decent wages or decent prices to people and sometimes to whole countries who can't stand up for themselves and demand better. Countries who can't afford to say no. So when we see the financial injustice in this world, when we see that there's so much hunger and need, we can't just wag our fingers at God and say, well, why are you letting this happen? Because there is enough. There is enough. It's just that enough doesn't get to everybody. There are some foods in the UK where something like half of them get thrown away as waste, while there are other people in this country who go hungry. And on a local level, that's why we're so happy today to have been able to take what looks to be a brilliant collection for Shrewsbury Food Bank. You know, I've mentioned this country being wealthy, but for how many of us would uh, an illness or a, um, a set of circumstances changing cause the sort of the financial wheels to fall off a little bit to the point that we would need some help. Now, some people in the press might say that a food bank encourages dependency for people who want to sponge off the goodwill of others. That's the sort of the note that some people take. That really is not true. Within Shrewsbury Food Bank, we've got a network of over 40 local government and community agencies who assess local people. And at the point of their very real need, they can recommend they come to food banks. So in the short term, we can give them some help and some encouragement 
while they steady the ship and get back on their feet. That's the story of Shrewsbury Food Bank. That's the local level. Real people coming to a building just at the back uh, of our church centre here every week. And we're so committed to it. And there's something quite profound, you know. Like, with some charitable giving, a certain percentage gets taken off for administration and for marketing activities and stuff. And I'm not criticizing that because that needs to happen. Charities need to function. But I know that all of that pasta is going to end up with a local person who needs it. I know that 100% of these sliced carrots in water will be on the table of a local individual or probably a family, given the food stuff, in the very near future. I know that a percentage of these Rice Krispies or other varieties of crisp rice in the food bank <laughs> is not going to be shaved off and given to marketing or paid to rich executives or whatever, or paid to agencies. 100% of this box of cereal is going to end up on the table of a local person or people who need it. That is such a beautiful and a precious thing and never let anybody talk it down. And on a wider level, we as a church continue to support the fair trade movement and we've got concerns for the environment and as Terry's already mentioned, humanitarian work overseas, Eastern Europe, Africa, so excited that even next week we get to take up an offering that will be supporting Zambia and then going to Bread and the links in Ukraine and all those sorts of things. So here in Shrewsbury, we can use our skills and our resources here to help change things for people in other places. Now that might only be a small change. It might only be a relatively small amount of money or only affecting a small amount of people. But it's a big difference to them. It's a really big difference to them. So we're always looking for opportunities that we can continue to share and continue to bless. And it's like something changes in our own heart when we realize that we have an opportunity. When we see some of these big problems in the world that it feels like they'll never be overcome, it changes something in our heart when we realize that actually we can be used to be part of the solution of some of it. For some people. We can't do everything for everyone, but we can do something for someone. What a wonderful opportunity that we have. And our, our friendship with uh, uh, Joseph Murillo and the people in Zambia, our ongoing links with Ukraine, Eastern Europe, there's opportunities for us to bless someone with something. And it changes the way we view it. Now, I over the tops of many houses, can see the reeking from my bedroom window. Now, I didn't know that when I bought the house. Because we're on the side of a hill, you can look out, you can see over town in different directions. And what we can really see from our bedroom window is Hormond Hill. And I remember one day just sitting in my bedroom, looking out the window, and actually thinking around the corner, I can see the reeking from here. If I actually look out and I, and I look beyond what's directly in front of me, I can see the reeking 
And I was so excited because I love that hill. It's ace. I hadn't seen it before. I hadn't appreciated it. But now I've seen it. Now I've noticed it. It's always there. I love looking at it. For many of us, reaching a point in life where we suddenly start to understand the role of God in providing for us is an amazing discovery. Sure, we can see what's right in front of us. We can see the circumstances. We can see the situations that you see easily. But when you look beyond, you can notice something that once you've noticed it, you can never unsee it again. It's always there. If we let our gaze go a little bit beyond, we see a loving Father in heaven who provides for his children and gives us an opportunity to provide for other of his children through what he gives to us. Sometimes it takes us a little while to notice that, but once we've noticed it, it can never be unseen. So this morning, we are grateful to God who provides. This morning, we worship God who provides. This morning, we realize that we've been given so much here, so much in this country. And we choose to share it, both locally and further afield. This morning, let's also be people who are committed to enjoying life with great contentment with a sense of gratefulness and a sense of thankfulness because we know where it all comes from and let's be people who make decisions with our time and our resources that minimize harm minimize injustice in this world those words we started with written thousands of years ago still brim with life at this time of year in modern-day Shrewsbury. So I'm going to conclude by going back to the awestruck worship that we started with. Just a few verses from that psalm to finish. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. And my prayer is that something that we never forget. Amen.